0: Hi, I'm your host, Aaron, and welcome to the first generations podcast, the show where we dive into the personal experience and knowledge of individuals that pave their path to success on their own terms, from entrepreneurs, professionals, and beyond. We will learn what it takes to walk through their journey and what it means to be first generation. Coming up in this episode,
1: they were the ones who had to tell me, "Mime, you should forgive your parents, not even for them, but for yourself, because what you're gonna come to Korea and you're gonna live this society, you're gonna judge Korean people for being Korean or for being like obstinate or, you know, like everyone's just trying to do the best they can. It's it's a hard life, you know, these people just like survived a war like 60, 70 years ago. So you're gonna, you're gonna say that if you're judging your parents and you're ungrateful to them or you resent them, you also have to resent all the good things that came in your life because they brought you into this world. If you want to judge your parents, you're going to judge all of Korean society and say that judge the society as being backwards or that the society should change, right? If you grew up here, wouldn't you be the same way? That kind of shit. How can you? How can you judge? And like, how can if I'm a beautiful flower, how can I judge the garden from which I came from?
0: What is going on, everybody? And thank you for tuning in to the First Generations Podcast. Today's guest had moved to Seoul, South Korea, from the United States in 2012 to start a new chapter. Before then, he had felt confused with his life with no direction, network, money, and purpose. He had nothing but a genuine desire to become the best version of himself and to explore his roots, learn his mother tongue, learn how to be a functioning member of society, and discover what value he has to offer the world. Through his journey of self-discovery, he had become one of the top party promoters in Seoul and currently runs a media and entertainment company, MKMC, with his partner. He is extremely passionate with sharing his experiences and ventures with other individuals through his podcast, Mime Time. The podcast is about Asian diaspora experience and self-actualization, and through each of his episodes, he goes deep and hard into dealing with identity struggles, emotional trauma with our families and past, reconciling different cultures, spirituality and religion after church, and developing confidence in dating and business to get the most out of life and give back to the world. I am honored and proud to present you our guest for today, Mime Kim.
1: Hey, Mime. How are you doing? Hey, Aaron. I am doing fine, and I am doing the Mime time, and that's why I'm here. I don't know if that made sense,
0: but what's up, Aaron? (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. That's cool. That made sense to me. Uh, There's not much going on with me, man. I'm grateful. Um, Obviously, it's the morning for you right now, and it's nighttime over here. Winter's creeping upon us or upon myself. Yeah, which is creeping on you too. It's about for myself. It's around two degrees Celsius right now where I'm at. I'm not sure how how the weather is like in Korea.
1: Uh, it is getting chillier. I think yeah. we kind of skipped the fall season. Uh, fall is always always a nice season, but it's one of the shortest in Korea. Yeah. Did you know Korea has a four seasons? Yes, it's a very very temperate climate. <laughs> that, that's just a. It's just a. It's just a meme. Yeah. expats and foreigners, when they come to Korea, Korean people are always so proud of Korea's temperate climate and that it has four seasons, as if other countries don't have four seasons. So, oh. I like to poke fun at that myself.
0: Dude, that's super cool. I, I didn't know that. I've learned something new every day. <laughs> so then, just go out and talk about the weather then. Does it get really cold? Ever get really cold in Korea? Like, you guys go by the Celsius. That is correct. But yeah. um,
1: I'm never good with numbers. So I, I never keep track of like what the numbers actually mean in terms oh. of uh, heat and cold, because yeah. uh, I'm still a noob at life. Yeah. And it's not too different from growing up in New England, you know, because my hometown is in Rhode Island. So also, oh, also, did you know Rhode Island has four? I don't know. That's, that's like a Southern accent. It's, I forgot my New England accent. Did you know Rhode Island, New England has four seasons? I don't know why I want to do a, a New England's accent, but I can't do it right now,
0: dude. I, I love it when it comes back. Do it, <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> At any time of our recording, bringing shame back. to my my Rhode Island pride. Anyways, yeah. So four seasons, mm-hmm. four seasons in the Rhode Island. Yeah, in New England. You know, it, it gets gets cold in the winter and can get hot in the summer. So honestly, it's not too different from where I grew up. But it, the biggest difference, of course, living in Rhode Island, which is the smallest state in America. I grew up as a small town American boy in New England, small town America, in the suburbs, to coming to Korea, to Seoul, one of the most populated metropolises in Asia, if not the world, about 10 years ago. You know, I never lived in a city before, and I never mm-hmm. lived in Asia. So for me, it was a big culture shock when I came here nine years ago.
0: I, I imagine like, for me, I kind of went the other way around. I grew up from like a big city. I, I grew up in Vancouver, BC. And then I moved to Edmonton, which is like a very small town. Now it's technically a city now and again culture shock but I, I found it I was blessed for that for me I was always on the go 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 I'm not sure if you feel like feel like it now but I was always on the go 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 and a rush to do things but coming to a smaller town I feel like I've learned to be more present be more present in a sense where it's okay to relax and just take things a little bit slow at times yeah I guess uh to, to get things started and going wrong with one of my questions I really want to ask you is during our current times, like, what is one thing you are most grateful for at this moment?
1: During our current times, well, the, the current times are referring to uh, this boring ass worldwide p- pandemic, which uh, uh, I'm even just sick of talking about at this point. But I'm glad you asked is I'm just grateful to be alive, bro, because <laughs> just personally, I'm not speaking for anyone else but myself. But personally, my life is such a, a joy and an advent- and an adventure. Mm -hmm. That to be who I am, even in this moment, is uh, beyond my wildest dreams come true. So I came from a really dysfunctional, depressed family upbringing. And not knocking on my family, it's just the, the way that I grew up. That to be who I am, I mean, growing up as kind of like a socially awkward, overweight, loser, nerd, in a sense you know who like i don't know couldn't get the ladies or couldn't have couldn't be popular couldn't have friends you know like all these like uh, years of negative self-talk and mm-hmm. a low self-image low self-confidence to be who i am today I'm not saying i'm a rich casanova or anything but just to be able to really pursue my dreams and enjoy life at the fullest and give my gift to the world every single day every single moment is uh that's what i'm grateful for it has nothing to do with covid and so even Though I'm not a party club slash club promoter anymore, which I do miss it. That's the worst thing about COVID is that I can't do that anymore. Yeah. Aside from that, just being able to spend those years, the best years of my life, and build this network has allowed me to transition very well into uh, doing podcasting. You know, because I have such a great network of awesome people to talk with, and so yeah. To answer your question, I'm really grateful to just be alive. I know that's maybe too cliche, maybe that's cliche or too general, but like, I'm just glad to be who I am. And I'm grateful that like, I can still find, that I can find things that are meaningful to do with my time, that I have work opportunities, that I have a good network. If you don't have good work opportunities and you don't have a, a good network of people who can support you in this time, then like, uh, this is going to be the hardest. This might be the hardest time, not just for you, but for like a bunch of people, a bunch of people are struggling right now. I hate to bring it up, but that's what I'm grateful for. and. I'm just lucky that I was able to put the time in and the energy into investing in relationships and to uh in my work ethic and uh the desire to like give value to the world. I was lucky enough to be able to build on this before this whole pandemic hit.
0: Mm. Yeah, man, I love that answer. Really really appreciate it. I'd really really resonate with that too, man. Kudos to you. I I just want to shoot it out there like we were talking about COVID and you brought it up again and your friends and family are doing well with COVID as well, I assume. Korea is pretty, pretty strict, it sounds like, right? So, specifically South Korea, like you, you guys are pretty strict down there. I think we were talking about how you have passports and stuff with QR codes now, and they're basically taking down your names and your contact information and your districts that you're from whenever you're entering like a place of business just to ensure there's good control in case if there's an outbreak, right?
1: yes and i mean my immediate family is in america right now oh so my my yeah i have relatives here around seoul or like outside of seoul and so i mean korea is pretty safe like everyone wears masks out you know when they go outside and you know there's a there's a whole system Mm -hmm. i do know people who got COVID personally but i mean they're still they're fine maybe they were in quarantine for 10 days or they had to get hospitalized like be in a hospital quarantine center but they're fine now, you know, so I'm fortunate that like the people that I know, you know, no one got seriously ill. And yeah, Korea has this whole, I don't know, surveillance state like way of monitoring people (laughs) like when they whenever you go to bar or restaurant, you have to do a QR code check in. So you take the phone, you take your phone out, and then you go in your cacao talk messenger app, you know, it's kind of like WeChat or WhatsApp or whatever. And then you get your QR code, your personal which is like linked to your ARC, your alien resident residence card or your ID number. And then uh, you hold it up to a camera, some phone or tablet that the establishment in the bar or restaurant has set up, and then you just align it until it goes beep, and then you're scanned. You're in the system, baby, you're on the grid. And, or if you're, if you're old fashioned or you don't have your phone, then you can just write down on a clipboard your name, Phone number, what district you come from. So I would say, um, Korea gives a fuck, as opposed to maybe America, (laughs) which doesn't give a fuck, from what I hear. Because I don't know, I haven't been in America in a while. So, anyways, yeah, Korea is like one of the safest and best places to be before and after COVID. Before, during, and probably after COVID. That's what I think, because although there are quarantine and lockdown restrictions that go to like 10 p.m., you know, bars and restaurants have to, and clubs close down at like 10. You know, it's still. I think it's still pretty safe and mm-hmm. life still goes on you know there's still places and people who like want to hang out and whatever so i would say it's better even though it's kind of locked down and in quarantine it's much more accessible and there are things to do and you can still meet up with people even in these times so i think seoul south korea is still a great place to be even with all this covid bullshit
0: oh yeah now first off i find your stories your story very inspirational and like you've already given a little bit, a little context about it. How you moved to Korea, like you have family still in the States. So in 2012, you decided to move to settle in South Korea and to you know to build your own network and start your journey of self-discovery. I want to talk about from 2012 on, and then later on what we can transition from pre-2012, or it depends on where the conversation goes, but. You come into 2012, I remember, like you said, you have relatives here, but essentially you're coming to a whole new space, your your whole new sphere, you're out of your comfort zone. What do you think is one of the most crucial things that you've done since you came to South Korea that helped you build your network? And I ask this question because I run into a lot of people where when they go to a new town or city or a new location, they struggle finding or building a network. They they struggle with finding new friends. And maybe it's it might be an instant gratification kind of thing where they just expect to r- right off the bat to find new friends within a month. But sometimes it takes time. Like you said, with, with with relationships, it takes time to harness them. It takes time to build quality relationships, right? So if I was to ask you, going back to it, I'm kind of going on a tangent now. What is one thing that you believe was super impactful that you've done to help build the network that you have today?
1: The best thing to do for me was to just Put yourself out there. Just go out and say hi to lots of people. Just go say hi to lots of people. If there's anything that interests you at all, whether it's hiking or painting, for me, it was open mics. So I thought this was a time for me to get out of my shell because yeah. I had been playing guitar since I was like 15 or something like that. My dad you know, paid for guitar lessons. I learned acoustic guitar, electric guitar, different playing styles and whatever. But I never went to... An open mic. I never went in front of an audience to like sing and perform. So I thought, okay, I'm in Korea. There's this local foreigner expat scene with these different open mics. I'm going to go and like sing some guitar covers. I'm going to go and, you know, sing uh, my cover of George Michael's Faith, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm going to also try stand up comedy and I want to try spoken word poetry. And I even tried a few hip-hop songs like i found some beats some instrumentals and i just wrote lyrics to them so i put myself out there uh and because i was all and i think even though the earlier i said i was kind of socially awkward there was also always a part of me that kind of wanted to like be friends with lots of different people so even Mm -hmm. in high school i would be hanging out with like the valedictorian you know straight a honors ap students and then but then i would also hang out with like the dropouts in my neighborhood uh, so I always, like, I always wanted to be, feel like I belong somewhere. And I think that's because of my Asian immigrant background of, well, my particular experience of being the only Asian in my neighborhood, I never felt like where I fit in. So I wanted to go to lots of different places and hang out with different, lots of, lots of different people to see where I fit in and to feel like a sense of belonging. So I think that sense of loneliness kind of like, um, Influenced me to want to be friendly and want to ask people questions and be curious and and uh, meet lots of different people. So I think that carried from my childhood into my teenage years into my college years into finally coming to Korea. For me, I would say going out making making connections and you know just having for me, I think having like a, a bright energy, even though you know like what I didn't have any money and I didn't have any connections like I didn't have it much value to offer except. My beautiful smile and my goofy behavior and my stupid inside jokes. So that I, I would meet people and I just say, Hey, how are you doing? Where are you from? Yeah. You know, and I think people just enjoyed that energy because I looking back I realized how rare it is to find people who are just like, you know, just excited to be there. That is, like I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew that I wanted to be going in that direction. Answering your question, like for me it was just to go out there, put yourself out there. And if you are just a good smiling fool who seems like reliable, you know, if, if it seems like you're earnest, then people will see that, especially as time goes by, you know, you make friends, you hang out with people, you know, you, maybe people want to invite you like, hey, come to my house party or hey, come hang out with us at this bar or whatever. And you just meet people, learn about human nature and different types of people and yeah, I would say putting yourself out there and gravitating to the people you want to be like this is what got me here. You know, So putting yourself out there and getting mentors. Mentors is huge. Mentors is like the biggest thing you could ever have.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. For our listeners, just some context too. Correct me if I'm wrong. When you flew to Korea, South Korea in 2012, you didn't really speak Korean, right? You went yeah, it to- was oh, shit. I didn't speak anything. <laughs> so it, when you said you put yourself out there, did you also enroll yourself in classes or did you find that you picked up the you picked up speaking korean as you conversed more and more with individuals
1: well i mean that's a whole different topic it's still very relevant yeah. when it comes to putting yourself out there because when you want to learn a language like why do you want to learn a language if you go to a country and we want to learn the language what's the point like if people want to learn english over the years i told my private uh english tutoring clients right i would do like one-on-ones you know, we spend an hour a week or a couple hours a week. And then I would ask them at the beginning, like, what's your motivation for learning English? Because all of Asia wants to learn English. China, Korea, Japan, Vietnam, Thailand. Everyone wants to learn English, right? Because it's, it's like, oh, it's the lingua franca of the world. You know, it's yeah. like all Asians, you know, we are we all want to be educated. And we, you know, we go from, well, not me, but like, you know, Korean kids go from elementary school to high school or college. They take all these English classes. But then when they meet... A foreigner at a bar some canadian english teacher at a bar they they lock up you know (laughs) they don't know they can't speak they can't find the words so so with any language that you're learning that isn't your own mother tongue or in my case especially if it's your your mother tongue you have to put yourself out there you can't be afraid of making mistakes so yeah when i came to korea i didn't speak any korean because i had this whole lifelong complex that i wasn't good enough because i mean I'm going backwards here, but growing up, I was the only kid in my family that didn't speak Korean. So I always thought there was something fucked up with me, that I was too defective, that I was too too dumb. And I don't know which one, maybe it was like the dysfunctional nature of my parents and the negative unconscious energy of my parents fighting with each other, my brothers fighting with each other, my parents fighting with my brothers. And that just like inflicted a lot of maybe like a self-hatred or guilt or whatever, negative emotion. Mm -hmm. For for lack of a better term that when I went to school kids would call me chink or whatever go back to China I'm like I'm not Chinese but then like what does it mean to be Korean I'm the only Korean in my block I mean we're the only Korean family so what does it mean to be Korean then I go to Korean church and see other Korean American families or whatever and I can't speak Korean so I feel like the guilt and the shame of not knowing my own mother tongue so am I Asian am I Korean am I American well I'm American because English is my first language oh, but actually, like, I don't even have a passport. I'm not even a citizen, you know, like when you're a kid or teenagers, you're all the shit comes came at me, right? This is I don't think this is a typical experience, even for a lot of Asian Americans. So like, I always had this identity issue. And I think these things fed into each other, right? Like my lack of I like I not knowing who you are, right? Mm-hmm. um Makes you can make you unsure of yourself and make you feel like you're you're not worthy of, I don't know, the love and respect or attention. So I didn't think I was. So I think, well, of course, like I'm an idiot, I'm defective, so I can't even learn my own mother tongue. You know, it's a vicious loop of, of negative thought patterns like my whole fucking life, bro. So I came to Korea with the intention of overcoming me not knowing my own mother tongue. So I like, I gotta learn this shit because I'm 20, I am young and I have all the opportunity to transform myself and all the years of like being low uh, having low self-confidence not knowing my own mother tongue for me these are inseparable in my personal like self-development journey and all that shit Mm -hmm. so putting yourself out there was uh putting yourself out there is the most important thing i think personally i mean in this context for me to come to korea coming to korea and you know meeting lots of people but not just the foreigners and speaking English because that's the comfort zone. But the the comfort zone for me was like, you know, not talking to people, of course. But then I tried to make it my comfort zone to go out there and different bars and cafes and meetups or whatever and make friends and, you know, maybe be a bit vulnerable. For me, that was pushing myself out of my comfort zone. But in the way that was in my comfort zone was that it was mostly in English, right? So I had to make Korean friends. And then when I talk with my you know, relatives, or I get in a taxi, or you know, um, you know, like I go dating, meeting with some Korean girls when like my Korean isn't that good. You know, all my childhood like bullshit comes up, like oh, I'm not good enough. And so when someone, some Korean person is like, Deh? when I say something in Korean, like I'm like, oh, I'm fucked up. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> oh, like I'm not worthy. Oh, I'm so stupid. I don't even know my own mother tongue. I have to fight that every single time. I fought it for years yeah so what what is the end result after these years of putting myself out there stumbling through awkward broken korean and you know like uh meeting lots of people now i have a great network now i can speak to my mom in korean now i can read korean text i can i can like peruse formal legal korean documents and it'll take me some time but i can comprehend it Mm -hmm. and you know i text in korean i have a korean girlfriend i love her and you know um I can speak to Korean people, I can speak to my mother and my family, this is something I didn't have when I was a kid. And you know what, I, I'm i surprised I haven't met more people out there like me, like people who came to Korea, or maybe you're like, you're Japanese American, and you grew up only speaking uh, Japanese, I'm mean, sorry, I only spoke, grew up speaking uh, English, like I did, and then you come back to the motherland to like, okay, like, I want to reinvent myself. And I want to like learn my mother tongue because I'm, I'm fucking Asian, man. I'm Japanese. I can learn Japanese. It's in my blood or something like that, right? That I haven't met too many people, surprisingly. I thought there would be more out there like me. But uh, I mean, this is just my ego talking maybe. But to answer your question for the third time or whatever, uh, putting yourself out there yeah. when it comes to learning your own tongue, your own mother tongue, any language, but especially your own mother tongue. Um, is what led me to here today and I have a great network and a bunch mm-hmm. of awesome friends and I've had the most amazing time here in Korea becoming like a club promoter party promoter because if you just have good energy it just means people want to be around you like when you see someone is like, and they're like hey how you doing blah, blah 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 but when you see me when you see this motherfucking face and you're like yo bro what's going on it's like hey girl it's so good to see you what's what's new with your life you know like that you feel this genuine energy and um Curiosity. I'm not saying everyone should be like me, but if you just smile and you make people feel good just by being around you and you just cultivate that, then everyone wants to work with you. Everyone is going to offer you a job because they want to work around people who make them feel better. What's what's you can work by yourself, maybe as an English teacher or doing some kind of job by yourself, then you, you know, you put the headphones on, you sweep the floor or whatever. And then that's like neutral, maybe. But then if you work with someone who's, like, toxic or just, like, always complaining, it's draining your energy, right? So what's worse than just working by – like, let's say – let me back up. Let's say you're sweeping the floor, and that's your job. So then you have your headphones on or whatever, and then you can you – have you you're by yourself, so then you do your job by yourself. That's neutral. Like, that's okay, right? Some people love it. But what's worse than that is if you're working with someone who's also sweeping the floor and they're toxic, right? or they're always negative, or they're always complaining, and so it's like draining to be around them. Yeah. But then what's better than both of these, I think, is to spend time with someone who's always cracking jokes, talking about interesting things. Hey, I listened to this awesome podcast called First Generations, bro. Dude, you should totally check it out. Dude, last <laughs> night, man, this party was so dope as we're just sweeping the floor, and then the time just goes by like that. It doesn't even feel like work because you get the job done, with someone who makes you feel good, that is money. That is value, and that's what I realized over the years. And so, like, I recently got like a bunch of different job offers um, from like uh, people. Like one bro of mine, he he works at one of the he he runs one of the top modeling agencies in Korea, Modeling Entertainment. You know, like uh, he's his company will like fly in models and do the paperwork for their visas and then put them up in a dorm room uh, in the city, right? Or he or they will like export Korean models out to foreign and uh, advertising entertainment agencies who want the, you know, Korean model profiles, right? And he offered me a job, like Mime, do you wanna be a model booker? Like be like a manager, like get a driver's license, Mime, and then you can drive models around and, you know, take care of them, like do like work in advertising, you know, like these really cool work opportunities and in really interesting, exciting fields
0: sorry so, i went all over the place there no no that's cool man i love it and, and the best thing is like you said like you cherish those moments right like being positive staying positive and being motivated and staying motivated like it, it really truly goes a long way man
1: yeah I, brainwash yourself yeah, yeah you that's gotta, what i want to say brainwash <laughs> yourself to be the, the, like whoever you want to be you 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 brainwash yourself you do all this uh self-development bullshit you I, i for years like i wrote these questions you know Um, like, or I wrote down these affirmations, like I am becoming the best version of myself. Like Mm -hmm. I am becoming uh, a handsome, the handsome, attractive man of my dreams or something like that. And and I would read these every day. Um, I don't do that anymore because I guess I've pretty much achieved that or, you know, and maybe it would still help. I'm just too busy being awesome, I guess, to write out, like I am becoming awesome. And then, I mean, I guess I could just write it like I am awesome. Mm -hmm. And I would be like, yeah, I know. So why do I need to write it? But if I wasn't awesome, or I thought I wasn't awesome, then I would write that like I am becoming awesome. Day by day. I I did all this shit, you know, I, 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 I've been I've gone out on nights where like, I felt like so awkward and lonely, but I just kind of forced myself to like, talk to strangers in bars are like, Hi, how are you doing? You know, or I mean, I can't really, I can't even imitate like how awkward and (laughs) lonely I was at the time. But like, I've had nights where, mm-hmm. like it felt like hell it felt like torments because like no one wants to be my friend no one wants to talk to me and uh you know like i want to like talk to the girl and maybe get her number but like i go up and then her friends all just like ignore me cold oh like this guy this loser's is really talking to us you know rejection yeah i've had nights of rejection you know yeah
0: Countless. not even necessarily
1: <laughs> trying to get laid but just like make friends or whatever like guys and girls like oh man even the dudes are rejecting me <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I had to go through all these experiences and um, just I tried everything that I could. And I guess it worked. Some, some of the stuff worked.
0: And your your example you gave right there is like perfect for just showing, at least in my opinions, for showing life's a learning experience, right? You win some, you lose some. If you lose some, then it's like look at it, look at why. Maybe you don't look at why and you just move on. You got to move forward, right? So that's so awesome, man.
1: Yeah, you got to believe in yourself. I believed in myself, not being who I am today. I believed in myself that I could become this goofy motherfucker in front of you wearing a bow tie. Uh, I, I believed that I could become this person, someone who spoke Korean, someone who's like dashing and charming and handsome, someone who is, has a lot of, of value and like love to give to the world. Mm-hmm. I believed in myself like nine years ago that I could transform myself into the, the dream mime the best yeah. version of me. So even though it's arguably far from perfect, whatever, this is the closest thing to perfection. And if perfection is like some you know, abstract ideal, that's not really practical considering you can never achieve it because uh, no one can, perhaps you could argue, no one can realize their full 100% potential. So then if you can't realize that then maybe it's just a goalpost, maybe it's just a stretch goal, this idea of perfection. like You try to be as perfect as you can, but then in the execution of trying to be the best version of yourself, you get as close as you can because you get to a point where you feel like you are trying your best every single day, even though you waste time, even though you have bad habits. Um, When you get to that point, then, I mean, for me, I, I, I learned to stop judging myself as much, like I'm doing the best that I can every single day and I have been up until now. And so all the guilt or all the shame or all the regret that I can't, I, you know, I could have, should have, would have, like I, I should be 10 times more than I am now. I should have 10 times more podcast listenership than I do now. I should have 10 times, a hundred times, you know, more money in my bank account than I do now. <laughs> I should have, you know, um, I should have dated hundreds of more women than I do, whatever, whatever it is, whatever my metric is. I the fact that I'm here at all that I made this progress at all is is uh is mind-blowing and so I'm grateful to even have made this progress and when I compare like so I compare myself to my past self and I do a little bit of comparison to other people my age I'm 29 now Mm -hmm. and I actually realize as time goes on, it's hard to find people who are like me at my age and maybe it's I'm not looking hard enough what I want to go back to is like brainwashing myself believe like saying I, I believe in you mom you can do it you can do it I had to believe in myself and when you believe in yourself you when you convince your own like soul or your psychology that you can change then your reticular activation system your RAS uh, will help you but if you yeah. just say if you just write like oh I am awesome your brain's like no you're not you're a fucking loser you're a fucking <laughs> loser you can't even get laid you're a virgin you're fat you're overweight no one loves you you know, you'll never figure things out. You have to convince that motherfucker that the voice of self doubt. Yeah. And you have to keep applying different things, reading books, talking to other people who are, you know, maybe of like a higher elevated state or they know something or they're like a better overall emotional state than you are. Yeah. Hang around with those people and try to give as much value as you can. Because, and then, so that's why, like, you, I wrote, like, I am becoming the best version of myself because if you say, I, I am the best version of yourself, I am the best version of myself. When you don't feel like it, then yeah. you're, you're lying to your brain. Your brain's going
0: to shut it out. 100%. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier too, mentors. So when did you meet your first mentoring in South Korea?
1: Well, uh, my first mentor brought me to South Korea. Oh, so I oh. I have a very unfair advantage. That's my brother. My mother's um, oh. brother.
0: Please share. Yeah, so brother. I am always
1: <laughs> – I am uh, – I, uh, I mean – this is a whole <laughs> one day, like maybe I'll, I'll go, like, I talk about my family history a lot and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, my, uh, and like on my own podcast, I, I, I mentioned some things, but basically, um, I haven't said this before and I don't know if he'll be happy to hear it, but, uh, my oldest brother is like the smartest person that I know. And he's, he's 12 years older than me. Oh, wow. so yeah. he has a uh, such strong grit and like sharp in like intelligence. Um, it's it's scary. Actually, he's it's it's like not like normal people. So for me, I'm the luckiest thing in my life is like I was the born the baby brother to someone who was really, really smart. Yeah. And in college, like I went to a Christian liberal arts school and I was a biblical and theological studies major. My dream was to be a pastor. So I was really strong, devout, conservative Christian, like a Protestant cr- Christian, and I wanted to be a pastor. And when i went to college i took philosophy courses theology biblical history blah 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 talked with professors and other upperclassmen and peers and then long story short i started questioning the bible and my faith and my religion and i had an existential faith meltdown yeah it was so bad i wanted to kill myself because i lost all the meaning that religion jesus gave me you know like i really loved god and jesus and yeah. i was all about like trinitarian theology I was deep in it. Like I, I used to think the the Earth was like six thousand years old and all this shit. And, you know, evolution is a lie. I was that guy. <laughs> I was that motherfucker.
0: So, what about a pastor that made you wanna that made you like wanna be become one early on? Like, I'm, I, I find that super interesting because that's not what you hear often, right?
1: The, this this is um this is the power of religion because if you don't know who you are. Yeah, if you're lost and confused, then then uh, religion, especially Christianity, um, has all the love and acceptance of the Trinitarian God to to give to you. So mm-hmm. if you have nothing better, then this is what's gonna fill you fill up the you know the empty hole in your heart, the endless bottle. Like you have an en- no, that's what these um, that's what these Christians say, right? Like it's like we have a God shaped hole in our hearts, and you that's why you need Jesus to fill it up. So it's like. Yes, Jesus, fill me up with your sweet, sweet love. Oh, yeah, Jesus, give me your sweet, sweet loving. Yeah, this whole narrative like like sin and the world being fucked up and like man and kind is all fucked up with all kinds of sin. And But thank God he sent his one only son, uh, uh, true son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, you know, to uh, to save mankind so that we can all have a personal relationship with him. I mean that that spoke to me in the Korean American church setting that I went to because I didn't know who I was. I follow, saw a place and and uh one of the people I admired the most, even to this day, is uh is David Kim. He was like my youth pastor, and he was he was like one of the first few people in my life who I felt like really sat down with me one on one and asked me what my life was like, what my problems were, how mm-hmm. you know he said he he was the one first per, one of the first people who told me my man it must be really hard. You don't even speak Korean with your parents and they're they're working they're busy and they're they're yelling at each other like that must be really hard you know and he was he was a great guy very charismatic very funny very caring you know uh very devout and earnest in his spirituality and his devotion to god and to the church and to the group so i was like fuck i want to be like that guy because that guy gave me hope that guy tried to emulate jesus so i want to be like jesus i want to be like this motherfucker i didn't say it like that because it's dirty and (laughs) sinful to say i want to be like this motherfucker I, I didn't swear for like most of my life, even, mm-hmm. you know, I was like a straight edge Christian, you know, didn't drink or do any drugs or anything like that. Didn't have premarital sex or, you know, cause that was naughty. Yeah. Um, that didn't mean I j- didn't play video games and jack off to porn, which is supposedly also sinful or whatever. That's another topic. But, <laughs> but I would say, so, so I would say actually, okay, he was maybe one of the first mentors in my life as well. Okay. Uh, my youth pastor. So that made me want to become a youth pastor, because I wanted to inspire other children uh, who are like me, maybe like Korean American, they don't yeah. have good relationship with their parents, they they don't find meaning in their lives. But mm-hmm. then through Jesus, they can find healing and love and self acceptance and uh, spread the gospel. So that's why I went to college. But then after going to college, and then I had my successful faith meltdown, um, my brother who has always been there, just like, a lot older than me so doing more adult stuff as i was in my teens and going to college i came to him for help like bro i don't know what to do with my life um mm-hmm. you know i'm in debt you know going to school i'm dropping out of college like i don't even know what to do and then he said mine like let me help shape you into a responsible adult like come hang out with me in california and uh like we'll help figure out your life together you can do- pick up some part-time job blah 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 blah. you figure shit out become an adult so he took me under his wing and then like the original plan was California, but then we came to Korea instead because he had connections here. He's like, "Mom, let's come to Korea instead." And
0: so you, that's what happened. And you said, "Fuck it, let's do it."
1: I said, "Fuck it, let's do it." What do I? What do I have got to lose? Because like, oh, I forgot to mention this. You know, I would, it, during my existential faith meltdown, I was so distraught <laughs> and I was so depressed because I lost all the meaning for like what what I had invested. You know, the past several years, like I wanted to give my life to Jesus, and I I finally felt like the. The redemptive love of god that i was regenerate you know that i i was experiencing the regeneration of god so which means like you know i'm repentant and i'm not going to hell yeah uh, thanks to the 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 empowering grace of jesus christ so like that's that's a whole nother story i mean it deserves its own podcast like my whole religious experience and like going from thinking i was going to hell and tormenting myself for thinking that i was going to hell for a couple years to finally experiencing bliss and joy and salvation Mm-hmm. Only to like lose all mm-hmm. that because i don 't believe in this shit anymore because my 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 belief system my worldview was was shattered mm-hmm. so then it 's like you 're left with nothing it 's like what's the meaning of life yeah but what's what what how do i const- how do I pick up the pieces like what do I do so I came to my brother for help and he helped me he taught me about life and society and how to like be a gentleman and all this shit, how to be smart, you know get to work on time you know don't be late and all this shit. And so I I was just very lucky that I had a a mentor who was like my own brother, who was a lot older than me. So that's one of the greatest blessings of my life. So that's obviously not everyone has that. So everyone has to find the closest like father figure or older brother mentor who gives a shit about you. And then um, yeah, to answer your question, he was one of the first mentors that and he was the one who brought me to Korea. So I'll forever be in debt to him. And then he's he's living his own life right now. And and over the past years, you know, we, uh, he was busy doing his own thing and I'm busy doing my own thing. And then eventually my brother moved back to the States. I have now other great mentors that I can spend time with, go out for a drink or coffee or have a meal with. And they talk to me about business. Mm -hmm. They talk to me about, you know, um, about life or we just shoot the shit. So I would say putting yourself in and the younger you are the better right but yeah, <laughs> uh, if you're like a young upcoming guy and people can sense that like this guy is like positive maybe he doesn't know a lot but he means well and and as time goes by you like you build a bit of a reputation you know for someone who like keeps his keeps his or her word then people will just naturally gravitate to you so if if i can just kind of repackage this reiterate this if you put yourself out there and try different things and show yourself to people, someone who just turns, shows up on time, keeps his word, do your best like 99.9% of the time. If you say you're going to do something, if you say you're going to meet up with someone, if you say you're going to show up to a party, then do it. Not even for those people, but for your own sake, do it. Show up on time. Try to, if someone asks you to do something and you agree to it, whether it's favor or it's paid, try to do it sooner. Try to like make yourself, you know, the most valuable person you can be to anyone in any given situation. If you just do that as a daily habit, then people are naturally just gonna see the value of that because there's actually so few motherfuckers who actually have their shit together that you're just gonna naturally rise up as like the top three or one percent eventually. If you just show up and even if you don't know something or you don't have skills, but you're willing to learn, you're willing to listen, then there will you and you approach people who you are attracted to, like oh this guy he's five ten years older than me he's rich or you know he gets a lot of girls or he's li- living such a cool life he does this he does that you know he's this established artist or whatever and you spend time with those people and you you make them feel good and uh and like uh to that point where maybe they see something in you they want to help you help you out then they will eventually offer you a job or something or they'll want to hang out with you they'll recommend you to another friend you know they'll introduce you you know if if you if you're good to uh you know and polite to lady friends or whatever then they will in- introduce you to their girlfriends whatever yeah, put yourself best, out yes. there, be polite, professional, um, and be yourself at the same time, which is, oh, that's such a cliche thing, but, uh, be authentic, <laughs> like be earnest and authentic. It's okay to be awkward. It's okay mm-hmm. to, but just like, as embrace long as it. you're, you, you yeah, em, embrace a part of it, put yourself out there and like be, show, show yourself as someone who's like willing to listen to other people. Yeah. I'm um, like, oh, did I, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean, to, sorry. I thought that was funny in my head, but I shouldn't have said that stupid joke. You know, we're like, oh, I'm so sorry I was late this time. Let me make it up
0: to you, you know. Thank you for sharing your story, man. And that's so powerful. You mentioned your identity earlier on. And one of your episodes, you have learning Hangul and Korean is your greatest and most proudest achievement. And for our listeners, and correct me if I'm wrong, Hangul is the Korean alphabet, right? It's like the let the, the character. Yeah, that's correct. Right. So with that being your greatest achievement, how long did it take you to learn that? For me, I, I had something very similar. Obviously, I think a lot of diaspora Asians growing up in America can attest to this, where I was able to speak, but I wasn't able to read or write. But no matter how much my parents put me in Chinese school, I just, I didn't comprehend. So for me, like, and this was like a, this is, this was like a consistent thing for like five years, right? So for five years, and I I didn't do it. And it's not because of them, my parents, it's because of myself. I had no interest in doing it. But yeah, I still, afterwards, I still felt the sense of, Identity struggles at times, right? So for you, going back to like Mike, what I'm trying to get at, or what I'm trying to ask you is like, how long did it take? Because like again, like 2012, and you went through that process, and you've been in Korea, South Korea, for about nine to ten years now, right? So was it fair to say you were speaking fluent Korean by year two or year three? By year two. Oh, by year two! Wow.
1: Yeah, by and. Uh, i would i still wouldn't call myself fluent i would consider myself intermediate and depending on like how, how you judge it like my reading writing skills or whatever i would say maybe my writing skills are the most lacking and uh, some people would would say mom you lived here for nine years but your korean is still at this level it's shit man you need to improve your korean <laughs> and I, I still hear that And my you know my girlfriend will be like "Mom, learn more korean you know and and uh i'm like you know what you're right but also fuck you motherfuckers because you don't know what it was like to 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 be me growing up and you don't know like how amazing it is that i can even be at this level
0: yeah um,
1: i don't say that to my girlfriend <laughs> i don't <laughs> uh, but i but i mean you know i and i try not to say feel that way with a negative energy although sometimes i do so i, I did go grow up going to uh 학교, like you know just like any asian uh diaspora immigrant right like our parents might Send us to a weekend school at the local church or community center, yeah. where you're taught like the, uh, the the script of your mother tongue, right? If you, you know, if you're ABC or CBC, then mm-hmm. you, you might be sent on the weekend to go to, uh, you know, learning Mandarin or Cantonese, and then the and then the the Hanzi, right? The the script, and so just like Koreans, like we go to school to learn the alphabet and whatever. And like as a kid, my mom did have Korean children's textbooks and little stories and she did she did try so i i resented her my parents very deeply for not ensuring that i speak korean but uh like my whole life but i am just now becoming learning to not blame my parents for all for all all the shitty stuff in my life and my own identity struggle like i blamed them very hard for like even up until a few years ago about like how fucked up i am yeah um, I still hold some resentment, but I am working to actively let that resentment go, understand them, and forgive them and the beauty of it, dude, is that learning Korean has allowed me to speak to my mom and understand what she's saying, and then when I listen to her speak, it makes me understand her situation as a parent it makes me in which which case that understanding forces me or helps me to forgive her and then so i i, I uh release
0: yeah you some of that up, negative right? <laughs> energy
1: in that resentment yeah i I'm able to release that resentment from my soul from my my deep in my psychology yeah and then and then uh like I'm more at peace with myself and then I can be more free to love myself and my mom so to answer your question uh I did learn a little bit of Korean when I was a kid, so I could read it but very slowly and like practically, mm-hmm. just like I assume with any Asian immigrant who grows up in the west, if you're totally immersed in the society and all your classmates and whatever speaking English or I don't know, speaking French, you're just, cause you're not immersed in it. You're not, it's going to be a lot harder for you to absorb your heritage, your, your mother tongue or whatever. So now I learned to like forgive myself and be like, Oh, that is who I was at the time. I was rebellious. I didn't want to listen to my parents. Yeah. I understood why I was at that time. And at the same time, I should forgive my parents for whatever shortcoming perceived or real that they had to in, in that they didn't ensure that i grew up speaking a mother tongue i i have to change my thinking whatever grievance or perce- or shortcoming on my parents part whatever negligence perceived or real i have to let go for mm-hmm. my own sake not even for them but for my own sake and then so coming to korea i, I said it you know i it, my korean was shit like i didn't speak anything i did have a, a huge advantage which i grew up hearing the phonemes and i did grow up Reading it a little bit. So it was just day by day practice, like being on a bus, reading a billboard or advertisement, or like, you know, putting my phone into Korean language settings and then having a dictionary app, having a system where if I don't, I see a subway ad and I don't know the word, then I put it into my app and then I look at it, kind of study it for like a minute, what that word means. Um, You have to learn how to study a language the right way too. Like, you can't just look up a word and, like, oh, this word means efficiency. Well, so, well how do korean people actually use this word in a sentence you yeah. need to understand that you need to read like three example sentences not just like like or whatever which means efficient it's like okay so how it, that doesn't teach you how to use it in a sentence you have to read like three example sentences to kind of see how korean people actually use it it's not it's you know you can't and you have to think in korean but anyways learning a language is a You know, that deserves its own podcast. Of course, there are many language learning podcasts. But to answer your question, I keep saying, to answer your question, 2014.
0: 2014, um, yeah.
1: That's when I got to the point, I would say that's when I got to the point where I would speak to Korean people. I would speak Korean without switching as much to English. And that was like the the first time when I went to America for the first time for my other brother's wedding. That was the first time like I was speaking face-to-face to to my mom and – in korean but like i wasn't speaking as much english like i was mostly in korean so that is one of the 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 best moments of my life was just like oh after all these years after i'm like 21 22 now growing up i couldn't speak my own mother tongue to my own mother but now i can do it because i put the time in because i believed in myself like i don't know anyone who has this experience do yeah. you know any motherfucker on this planet i there must be but i, I just haven't met them i i do you you're like i haven't yeah, yeah. Like you would think there, there's more people like this, but like you yeah. grow up not speak like you're, I don't know, like, you know, like, it's like, what if you are like a white person? What if you're like white American and you grow up in Japan and your first language is Japanese, Yeah, but your, your parents, your white American parents, like they don't speak Japanese. They just speak broken Japanese. Mm-hmm. And it's embarrassing to be around your parents because your white parents just speak broken Japanese. And then you're taught you're they're saying like you should learn English, my white American son, because because uh you know that's part of your heritage or your culture or whatever. And it's like and it's, and then you tell your parents like wa Nipponjin this, you know, like I'm Japanese or whatever. All my friends are Japanese, you know? And it's like, well, why can't you speak Japanese? Right? Like this is weird. Like my story's not typical, you know? Like this is it's it's unfair to me, bro.
0: It is. But I yeah. would
1: trade these experiences for anything else because it's made me who, who I am. So Yeah. After two years in Korea, you know, maybe going to a couple free language Korean language classes and going to some meetups and just meeting and trying to force myself to learn, you know, like studying how to learn a language, how to study Korean. Yeah. Not just studying Korean, but how to study a language. I would say from 2014 onwards, like I would go through plateaus and then I would keep going up and then I would breach a plateau. And so I'm still learning. I'm still learning. You know, I'd be far from like if I had to do this, uh, if I had to do my podcast or like have this conversation with you in Korean, I could do it. I would just be a lot slower and not talk as fast probably. Yeah. But I, I could, it would, uh, it would take me more time. So if like my English is 100% like native English, you know, proficiency or whatever at my level, then I would say my Korean is like I don't know, maybe 60-70% of that, you know, depending on how you judge it.
0: Yeah, that's pretty good. I I take that.
1: <laughs> yeah, my my language my journey of like learning language, it's not like because you can learn a language. Like if I speak Espanol, you know, like Spanish to people, because I studied Spanish for six years. I was yeah. like a in spa- honors Spanish classes and whatever. Okay, you know, I love Spanish, and yeah. so it's and before I came to Korea, my Spanish was better than my Korean. So if I speak Spanish to someone, even though it's like broken or I forgot something, like I don't have this whole mental hangup because it's not Korean. Yeah. But when I speak Korean, because it's my own mother tongue and whatever, like I didn't grow up speaking it. Like, am I even Asian? Who am I? Am I American? Like all this shit, all this these cobwebs or all this like dark energy just is associated with this language. But if I'm learning a language like like French or Spanish, I'm studying french now oh wow like i don't have any of these i don't have any of these hangups right like if i were mm-hmm. to learn ma- mandarin or cantonese or japanese i wouldn't have this hangup but because it's korean because it's my mouth, the tongue i have to conquer this shit. and so learning the language is not just a, a practical thing of me getting uh, of me learning a language it's me coming to grips with who i am as a person learning to accept myself and love myself and overcome my my decades of like a low self confidence and negative energy So for me, my whole journey of coming to Korea, learning Korean language and the culture, reading and writing Korean is inseparable from my own development, my own journey of personal transformation.
0: Dude, your mom must be like, I'm just going to assume when you had that first conversation with your mom fully in Korean, she must have been super proud. And for you, that must have been such a. Just an adrenaline rush gratifying feeling or something. It's like a sense of accomplishment, right? Like I, I, I can't even, that's, that's something I long for myself. Like one day, maybe I'll talk to my grandma. I won't, I won't say my mom because my mom's used to me speaking Chinglish, like half Chinese, half English and stuff, right? But what, let's say with my grandma, if I could actually speak full Mandarin to her or full Cantonese to her, to me, that's like a bucket list thing checked off. And it's like, yeah, have this conquered. And like you said, it's part of the identity factor, right? So like, do you still m- remember that moment like was it as was it special for you or like is that is that some is that one moment that you keep dear to your heart when you had your first full Korean conversation with your mom and
1: Yeah, it was Mother's Day in 2012. So I think it was somewhere was it when's Mother's Day? Is that is that
0: in May? Yeah, that is May. I don't know the exact date though. What <laughs> a bad son. <laughs> Just,
1: but I think it's. I don't know, it's I don't know, like It's I'd, in May though. It's in May. Take yeah. everything I say with with a with take everything I say with a grain of salt. But Whatever the date was, like it was a beautiful sunny day, and uh, we were in Georgia, oh. and uh, I think we were in like um, Duluth or something like that. It's kind of like a Korean town. K- yeah. It's kind of like a K town, and like we're like it's the wedding, and so uh, so like afterwards, people are going to local cafe, you know, to like have some coffee and just strolling around the plaza or whatever. And I'm just talking. It's like, oh, mom, like you know, how are you doing in Korea? Like, is everything good? I'm like, oh, mom, uh, 걱정 안 해도 돼. Like you don't have to worry. Like I i have lots of good friends you know like i thought i could never say these words when i was in korean you know and so she was like so so proud you know and and we talk now now we have deep in depth conversations i still don't understand everything she says there's still words or expressions that like i need to look up in the dictionary yeah um but like we we talk mostly in korean now mm. and uh, i can understand the things that she said that she says and it's really amazing like she like uh that i can appreciate her story her trans her journey her struggles and so like oh if I didn't come to Korea if I didn't tell myself if I didn't believe in myself then I couldn't spend these hours with my mom hearing her story hearing her talk about her life and our family's lives and how they grew up you know how hard it was for my dad growing up you know without his mom and and uh uh how her and like how my mom's dad like her you know, he, he used to be a very like reputable, like building owner who owned a lot of shops and everyone loved him. And he had a good relationship with the, you know, US military personnel up in which is a city north of Seoul and all this stuff, like, okay, to hear the family stories in Korean, um, this shit is priceless, right? So, yeah. Uh, I mean, if, if, and, and here's the thing though, like, I understand, especially if you are still living in the West, if you're like, you know, Korean American living growing up in Korea, I mean in America, or you know, CBC growing up in Canada. Um, unless you make it a priority, then you know, you're just living your Canadian life. You're just living your American life. So if it's not something that's pressing to you, then you know I'm not judging. You know, I I would be the same way. Yeah. But for me, like this was just such a big pain point in my life that, you know, uh as Kyle Young, host of What Kind of Asian Are You podcast would say. Shout out to Kyle, you know, yeah. we all we all have different experiences, you know, so, you know, maybe for some people learning or getting learning one's own heritage or getting in touch with one's mother, uh, mother culture isn't yeah. about or identity isn't about learning the language, but maybe it's about the food and spending time with the people. For me, I'm a bit more hard, like I, I press a bit harder. And I said, no, you motherfucker, you got to learn the language. <laughs> um, I, I'll say that to adoptees, or to Korean-Americans, or Korean experts, like, no, you you are Korean, so you have to learn the, the Korean. But I also know that it's, I, I'm just saying that, I'm just, I, I mean that out of love, because uh, I, I just judge myself that way. I judge mm-hmm. myself for not being Korean enough, yeah. or not learning Korean. So when I meet other Korean-American like, adoptees, they live here for like 5, 10 years or whatever, and they still haven't learned Korean, I judge them in my heart. But I, but it's only because I judge myself. Do you know what I mean? Because I, I see us having similar struggles. So there's a part of me that's kind of arrogant, like I did it. Why don't you do it? Don't you want to heal the pain? Don't you want to heal the pain? You know. So I'm like, so I judge them because don't you want to heal the pain like I did, brother, or yeah. sister? Why haven't you learned Korean? You've been here for five, ten years or whatever. You're still gonna like blame the world, or your, you know, w- the life situation that you have. I know it's unfair, but like, like don't you want to learn Korean? But it's not my place to judge. You know, but I still wrestle back and forth with myself. So, you know, there's a part of me that wants to be like um, Aaron. Yeah, you should totally. You, you know, you're you're Chinese. You should speak Chinese with your Chinese grandmother. You yeah. know, and to not do that is a great dishonor. You bring dishonor to your Asian <laughs> Chinese <is>. heritage. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, see, but uh, that's just me judging myself because yeah. I know what it feels like to feel that shame or that lack. So, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want that. Anymore, bro. Mm-hmm. Like I, bro. Like all of my Asian diaspora, whether you're Vietnamese American or Korean, Japanese or Japanese Canadian, like you know, we're all we're all Asian brothers and sisters, and uh we all have similar struggles. And so, I don't want to judge anyone anymore. I still do, but I don't want to judge anyone. If this is something that speaks to your heart deeply, you know, as it doesn't matter. As if you're a good person and you live a good life, um, and you know, you're good, honest, hardworking, responsible person, like that's that's great right strive to be that but if you want to resolve some of the if it was as painful for you as it was for me which is not necessarily the case i have to be Mm self-aware then i would encourage you see where that pain comes from and see if you can do oh you feel guilty for i don't know like you feel like weak because you're 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 skinny or you know you want to gain muscle you wish you were more muscular well then Try it, see how far you can go because once you try it, and they're like, "Oh, this is as jacked as I can get, and let 's see if I can get more jacked, and let's see if I can get more jacked, you know, how much weight can I lift <laughs> and and then they'll come to a point where where like you're like, oh, I'm just a skinny, like you know I'm a weak motherfucker, oh but you know i'm lifting weights, and after several years, I realize like, oh, I have made progress, and maybe it's not my ideal, or whatever, but look, the fact that I made this much progress and I gained some muscle tone or whatever is better than nothing at all if I hadn't made this change. So in the same way, if you have hangups for like lacking in some way, like lacking in, a, in your own language or cultural awareness, uh, your heritage, then if you just try to put some time in for a while, maybe like me, you'll come to a point where you realize, oh, well, you know what? I've tried, I've tried to get in touch. And this is as much as like my my mind and my life situation will let me to do, but at least I tried to some degree, I, I earnestly. Does that make sense?
0: That does. I appreciate you sharing that, man.
1: And, and now, like because of that, I'm like, oh, my Korean should be 10 times more than it is now. What if I was born in Korea? Or what if, uh, I mean, no, I was born in Korea, but what if I like grew up in Korea? Or what if I uh, grew up speaking Korean more fluently in, in America? I could have like shortcut, I could have leapfrogged my connections in the society and my experiences so much more if I just spoke intermediate or fluent Korean when I came to Korea. Oh my God, I'd be 10 times more the person that I am now. I think about these things, but i like, no, i have the connections i have korean friends i've got a yeah. korean girlfriend you know um these things just that i'm here these days and i'm here at this point today and that i put the time in this was worth it i wouldn't trade these experiences for for anything and now like i hey, i tried over the years i really tried and i made significant improvements maybe they should be 10 times better whatever, whatever you know oh coulda woulda shoulda yeah no like <laughs> i am uh I, I did the best. And now like I can accept myself. Like, oh, I'll never be 100% Korean. My mm-hmm. Korean should be better, I know, but it is what it is. At least I can speak Korean.
0: That's so true. You know, we're about to wrap up the podcast here. And I got four more questions that I ask I ask almost every single one of my guests. So for you, Mime, you mentioned your podcast, especially present day, your podcast Mime Time. Where do you envision yourself with this platform five years from now? Do you still see yourself continuing 5 years from now like cuz you know in the self-development world and you've done a lot of self-help and self-development goal setting is a big thing right it's a goal setting is a huge proponent of it so let's say with your podcast where what do you envision it to go 5 years from now That's a great
1: question and to be honest I haven't thought quite in terms of 5 years maybe like like 2 or 3 years but let's hear that <laughs> it, it, whatever oh yeah I mean yeah, I would like to have like thousands of regular listeners to listen to my podcast every week. You know, I would just, you know, one episode a a week. I mean, maybe it gets to a point where like I can monetize it and it gives me enough money or maybe through doing other work, like I make enough money that I can just focus, you know, 80 to 100% of my energy to doing this podcast. And so I have two to three episodes a week instead of one. You know, every day is a new recording or every and every day is like a a new, uh, I work on a new episode, not necessarily publish it, yeah. you know, and uh, like, and the bills are just taken care of. And so I can just, so maybe in five years, I would like to do that. Let's make it happen. <laughs> I would like to be at a point where, well, yeah, well, I, and that I have a community of people who are actively engaging each other every day. Mm hmm. To the point where you know if i go to a country or a city i say hey guys like um here's a here's a cheeky mime time event we're gathering we're gonna have a party we're gonna hang out ask me questions uh we'll have we'll have a live stream or whatever Uh, let's have let's have um you know drinks and food it's on me um whatever you know or um you know just go fly around the world and meet people from all walks of life who were inspired by my message uh people who i never dreamed people who who because they listen to my podcast, you know, they are able to look at themselves uh in a more charitable light. You know, they're able to forgive their parents, they're able to overcome these resentments and the dark energies of their past and then just, just tell their parents and their friends like, "Hey, I love you. Um uh I f- I forgive you for whatever you you know, bullshit you did or whatever and like I forgive myself, I love myself, you know. People who are more inspired to get in touch with their roots mm-hmm. just to learn to accept and love themselves more you know so if i can make like a thousand mimes you know then uh, i've achieved my purpose in life so i am achieving my purpose in life now because of friends who come up to me or text me say mime i just listened to this episode and it was it was fire it made me think about my life and made me think about my relationship with my parents made me think about my identity made me Mm -hmm. think about like the meaning of my life so um yeah i don't know hopefully i'll have a, a more Um, how do I say it? I mean, I also, another thing is like right now, my, the message of my podcast is, um, or the intro to my podcast is welcome to Mime Time, a show where we talk about the Asian diaspora experience so that we can overcome our identity struggles to become the best version of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So for me, overcoming to Korea, getting touched my roots, uh, learning Korean, all this shit was, um, inextricable, uh, uh just the same as me wanting to have a journey of personal transformation yeah so i want to i want to make more people like me because i mean i'm i'm self-centered so like i i just think that would be more awesome if there are more people like me
0: mm-hmm.
1: so if i can make a thousand mime timers that a thousand true fans as they say yes then like i will have achieved my purpose in life so yeah, just to wrap that up you know like thousands of people tens of thousands of people maybe listen to my podcast every week and it's like really impactful we have community events and we share and people walk up to me like mine like your shit changed my life or your shit like saved my life thank you so much you know i make a, a huge huge family mm-hmm. a huge tribe of people who are willing to you know support me and listen to me and like uh people who i can help as well you know cuz i've had so many mentors right so if i can be like a mentor a hyung or an opa to like uh, to, to younger brothers and sisters around the world, then that'd be great. And they don't all have to be Asian. I want to get to a point where like, you know, th- I don't have to be the Asian identity guy. I could just kind of yeah. be like the identity guy, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's like, you know, Tony Robbins, you know, first he's like the motivation guy, but then once he becomes super famous, you'll, he'll write books and talk about anything. It could be about finance, Success, right? Could it could be right, about yeah, sports, like sports or whatever.
0: Or, yeah. yeah.
1: So no. I want to break through that wall. Mm-hmm. In five years, maybe. Yeah, so I love it, I th- man. Th- Thanks for asking me that question.
0: I love it. And and to add on to that, um, if you could have, let's say, if you could pick any guest from the past or present to come onto your podcast as a guest, any guest from the past or present, who would it be and why?
1: Oh, man. See, you you sent me this question in advance, and I had to think about it. And <laughs> it's obviously, it's a really good question um uh, two people come to mind actually okay. one is um uh, ralph waldo emerson he's the mm-hmm. 19th century transcendentalist american writer he wrote self-reliance yeah. an essay um about like how like we are we all have like this uh immense power and intelligence within ourselves like don't look to others don't like worship other people so much but uh nature imbues every single individual with like their own uh power you know and like um, and so you can, self-reliance, right? You can rely on yourself. Like, don't mm-hmm. care about what other people think. Like, think about what you think and cultivate that. So if you listen to my podcast, I mentioned him several times and I yeah. linked that essay several times. So uh, I just re- love Ralph Alder Emerson, this this dead white guy who lived a couple hundred years ago. <laughs> He's, he speaks in this ancient archaic prose, you know, from a time that I could never imagine. But, you know, and so, uh, but I, I, I love this guy because reading his essay, like kind of changed my life. He's very individualist, very Western, very American. Yes. So that part appeals to my Western individualist American side. And then the other person I'd want to interview is King Sejong, the great, the guy oh. who invented Korean alphabet, the Korean yeah. alphabet. Um, Because, and like, I would want to see things from his, you know, Confucian Eastern, uh you know, perspective and be like, what do you think about all this technology today? What do you think about all the world is going like? And then, I mean, ideally, I would like to hang out with both Ralph Waldo Emerson and King Sejong the Great and uh, have a three-way podcast, and then, like, we just all drink soju, and then we go hit up the club, <laughs> um, you know, you know, and, like, uh, I just, like, talk to a bunch of, like, young Korean girls, and like, hey, meet this dead old white guy who was resurrected. Hey, this is King Sejong the Great. You know him. He, he yeah. wrote our alphabet, you know, <laughs> and just party with these guys, just drink soju and just talk shit all night ask them all kinds of questions about life and culture and language and history. What do you think about this? What do you think about this? Oh, man. Obviously there's a bunch of people I'd love to talk to if they were alive today and accessible.
0: I, I love the choices. I really, I really love the choices because it, it touches through like both of your roots, right? Like you, like the American, the American side of you and the Korean side of you. And man, I really, I really like that. It's very metaphorical and symbolic.
1: Yeah. And I would like to say that, I like to imagine the great people I admire from my past, famous authors, past or present. Yeah. Um. You know, people people who write great works, or something that inspires me, whether they're like a painter, author, or king, politician, general, like the people who I really admire, and like they made some kind of impact on me. I imagine them as Star Wars blue ghosts, like the blue ghosts from Star Wars. Yes. And then like that that like if I close my eyes, I uh, in a period of meditation, I imagine these guys, whether it's King Sujung the Great or ralph waldo emerson or frederick Douglass, like anyone who great from the past that i admire i imagine them putting their hands on my shoulder and seeing the person that i am today and also i imagine my my late father i imagine uh, my father who passed away in 2016 i imagine him alongside them putting their hands on my shoulder to be like you're the motherfucking god mate like you're like they they see how i embody i want to embody and emulate the greatest version of myself and like the things that I see in them. And they meet me personally, like, oh, you were transformed by my book or you were inspired to tears by like what I did for the people. You know, it's like, it's like, this is what I wanted. I want them to tell me that, um, that they love me, you know, I want them to tell, tell them that, uh, that they're inspired by me. And, uh, I want to think that like, I'm embodying the, the, the great, the, like their dreams, right? Like, that's what I want. Cause I want to be that great. I want to aspire to that greatness and i want to make i want to channel their love and their energy and even if they were assholes in real maybe they were like they had shitty <laughs> personal relationships but i would just want to imagine them to be like the most magnanimous blue ghost versions of themselves and say "Mom, you're amazing i'm mm-hmm. so glad to know you you are doing great you know all the challenges you went through if i went through those things even though i went through my own great challenges and wars and whatever politics like if i were you i don't think i could have done any better yeah, like we support you. We give you all like our you know transcendental, spiritual, good vibes and all this shit, and like just just kill it, man. Do whatever you want. We support you hundred percent. So so I imagine kicking it with Wal- Waldo Emerson and King Sejong and my dad, and we're all just drinking soju, and and they they, they say, "Son, I love you. I'm so proud of you."
0: Yeah. Okay. Before I ask them the, the last three questions, this is something that has kind of lingered on. You mentioned it a little bit a little bit earlier on, and forgiveness. Especially for you, you mentioned forgiveness to your parents. I think this is something that a lot of—I—I won't just say Asian diaspora. I feel like this is a lot. This is something that a lot of individuals try to seek and try to, or are in the position where they feel like they resent their parents a lot in many different ways, and they find it difficult to forgive their parents. For yourself, you mentioned you know learning Korean and learning Hangul that helped you speak. It connects bring you closer to your mom, but then I, I would assume there's also a different part of it right like for for you do do you feel that because you were able to understand and due to the power of language that helped you forgive, or do you think there's also another bigger piece to that forgiveness process that maybe an individual has to overcome?
1: Yeah, that's a very good question i would I would definitely credit the time I spent learning Korean and learning Korean. Yeah. that definitely unlocked it like i i i think about it yeah. i couldn't have gone through this period of reconciliation with my mom that i do now that's so beautiful and priceless mm-hmm. if i didn't take the time to learn korean language and the culture and see the society that i live in as an adult like i see how the everyday person struggles and talking about mentors earlier there were a couple of other korean american youngs shout out to drew and eugene if you're listening who are kind of like me that they, they had problems with their parents and the cultural differences, but they were, they went through their own personal transformation. Maybe they had their own youngs or, you know, mentors and they realized some things that I didn't know yet. So they were the ones who had to tell me, Mime, you should forgive your parents, not even for them, but for yourself. Because what you're going to come to Korea and you're going to live this society, you're going to judge Korean people for being Korean or for being like obstinate or. You know, like everyone's just trying to do the best they can. It's, it's a hard life. You know, these people just like survived a war like 60, 70 years ago. So you're going you're gonna to say that if you're judging your parents and you're ungrateful to them or you resent them, you also have to resent all the good things that came in your life because they brought you into this world. If you want to judge your parents, you're going to judge all of Korean society and say that judge the society as being backwards or that the society should change right? If you grew up here, wouldn't you be the same way? That kind of shit. And wow. um, how can you how can you judge? And like, how can if I'm a beautiful flower, how can I judge the garden from which I came from? Yeah, so I can be a Western flower, like, Oh, I'm so strong. I drink the, the fucking mi- milk from cows that are injected with hormones. So I grew up taller because I eat American food, you know, I have the American diet. And so I have more space to breathe and I don't have to go to after school hours for like six hours after school ends like Korean kids do, like Japanese kids do, whatever, cram mm-hmm. schools. So then I could be like, oh, I'm American. I'm so much better. It's like, no, I was just lucky to be a far-flung seed that flew, that was, uh, flew to the other side of the planet and grow up in rich American soil. So that shouldn't make me arrogant. I can be proud, but I should be humbled. I should be humbled. And then I should want, if I am a beautiful Western individualist American who speaks Native English or whatever, yeah. I have access to all these um, American works in English like Ralph Aldo Emerson that can change my life that the average Korean people can't appreciate because they're not a native English speaker or reader or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then how can I judge Korean people? No, I want to like bring all this knowledge the purest, most noblest parts of Western culture and heritage and connect with Korean people and share and exchange these things. But going back to your question, it, yeah it was obviously learning the language but also for the personal side of like i want to be the best version of myself and i want to love people and i want to maybe get married and have kids someday Pro- but if i have a problem with like dating women where does that come from you know like maybe i can't hold down a relationship well it's because i have issues with my own mom mm-hmm. so my youngs were telling me mine you should reconnect with your parents and you should forgive them and you should understand them because if you don't you're going to be a miserable old fuck who can't hold down a relationship who like fights with his wife or whatever and you're going to pass the same negative energy down to your to your children if you don't solve this at, at, in your time now like the mm-hmm. sooner you can re- reconcile the pain and the drama and the resentment you have with your parents and your family the sooner you can become the best version of yourself and it's not even for them do it for you motherfucker do it for yeah. you because you want to be a better person Then you have. If you, someone can be great and beautiful and smiling and they're a value to the world or whatever. They're like Jesus or whatever, like everyone loves this person, but then they still have this resentment or problems with their parents. Maybe they were abused, whatever. That person will still carry that in my soul. It's like, no, I want to live free. Like I want to be free of that guilt and that shame and the hatred. Yeah, I want to stop the motherfucking cycle that all our Asian societies go-, go through. All our parents lived in this, we call it the Han. The bitterness and the resentment and hatred from wars and abuse and society, hierarchical, you know, oppression from our superiors and all this shit. It's a, it's a desire to stop the pain. It's a desire to heal, not just for Mm -hmm. myself, but like for all Asian societies, for all Asian descendants.
0: Well said, well said, man. You put it in such a good sense, in such a good sense to the point where I'm like, man, I don't think I've heard it put in in any better way from what I've heard or when I asked my guests this or even when I have hard to hard conversations with individuals that do struggle with forgiveness because that's a huge thing. Yeah, like forgiveness say,
1: isn't for the other person, it's for it's you, for motherfucker. Yourself. Yeah. It's it's like what Buddha says, like, oh you hate to I don't know <laughs> what this Buddha accent is, but <laughs> if you had a hot core No, yeah. hating another person is like having a hot core in your hand and expecting it to burn the other person. You just to burn yourself, you stupid motherfucker. <laughs>
0: I, I love it, too, because, like, okay, like, just out of context here, I love your Asian accent, because it's, di- it's different, and uh, your Asian accent, it it it's really, it pertains to the Korean Asian accent, because you know how, like, there's different Asian accents, too, right? Believe it or not, to my listeners that are not Asian, and if you don't know this, there are different types of Asian accents, like, I can also do one, but it's more fob to, like, the Southern Hong Kong region, and then if you have a Vietnamese person, when they do one, believe it or not, again, it's more relative to their tongue, to, to their dialect, so... Not all Asian accents are the same, by the way. But, anyways, <laughs> just, I love it.
1: <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes when I do my podcast or as I'm yeah. talking to you, sometimes I mix up the accents. Like it, sometimes it'll be a mix of like like Cantonese and yeah. and Korean and Japanese. And I'm just like I don't even know which accent. Like sometimes like I, I it it all mixes up.
0: Now, I, I guess moving on, is there one book or resource you would recommend to our listeners as most impactful to you? and your development in becoming who you are today. I know you mentioned Ralph uh, Emerson, um, but would would you say like it was because of his his resource that would that resource be it? Or do you think there's also another book or resource that also helped you maybe open up and help enhance that journey of self discovery?
1: Ralph Aldo Emerson's 16 page essay, I think. I think it's 16 pages. Yeah. Um, it's dense. It's like in that archaic 19th century language prose, but it's very beautiful. Uh, So you kind of need to have some kind of literary background or like you have to have read, you kind of have to be a little nerdy to understand it. Mm -hmm. But I would say I would highly recommend that, you know, if you're ready for it and you can kind of tackle that prose, then self-reliance by Ralph Waldo Emerson, highly recommended. Uh, That was definitely a huge impact on me. Um, The other couple books that i would like to recommend is uh i think it's nathaniel nathaniel Brandt nathaniel brandon uh seven pillars of self-esteem there are all these exercises on oh. um like uh, uh like what self-esteem is and like relationships with people um and so like i think that book had more of an impact on me later on looking back but mm-hmm. i think that's not a bad start and then you know, obviously there's tons of like books and resources and podcasts I've gone through, but I would say more th- even more than those two, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. The Power of Now, Eckhart Tolle ta- t- teaches about meditation, being present to the moment, and like how all your past bullshit, like if you can just uh, forget about that and just focus on the present moment, then you can find moments of spiritual bliss. You can become, actually it's very practical, you can become a more effective person mm-hmm. and you can be a kinder, more compassionate, more real person. If you, uh, and it'll help you become much more aware about like the, the unconsciousness and like how so much of our behavior is unconscious. And he talks about pain bodies. Like when you get, have an emotional traumatic event, you're that's what post-traumatic stress disorder is. Like you, we can call them pain bodies somewhere, call it in your soul your brain, your, your psychology, these events from your past, they manifest themselves outwards. Um, once in a while like you can be great you can be the smiling mime time motherfucker but then something triggers you and then that pain body needs to feed itself it's like a parasite yeah. it's actually like a parasite that it needs to surface every once in a while to feed itself like oh, like like this taxi driver you know like i'm drunk and then this taxi driver says oh no no i me!" i was like you know he's like a little bit of dick or whatever and i'm just like that and I'm drunk, and then so that pain body is more like active, it's just like, Oh, this is your time. You have to resent the world. Life is unfair. <laughs> Life is unfair. That this like this dark pain body that'll come out, like understanding what that is, and then learning to just look at it in the eyes, just look at and then like when you, you just notice it just by noticing it, it starts to disappear, and just accepting it for what it is, it starts to lose its power. Yeah. So for me, in terms of finding peace, when it comes to um, learning about the power of meditation for spiritual and for practical purposes. Like it'll help you be more focused at whatever task that you're trying to do to reduce your stress, to love yourself and humanity and the the whole universe more. The Power of Now is one of the greatest books I've ever written. I've ever read. I wish I wrote it, but <laughs> I've ever, re- ever read it. The best hey. book I ever read is The Power of Now. you she- want to sign mine right now?
0: <laughs> no, I'm joking. But Yeah. I for our listeners I second that that is an amazing book and uh it's definitely I read it like five times I would read it another
1: yeah sorry I would I've read it like five times and I would read it again five times because every time I read it
0: it just gets even something new yeah and like I I try to make it a mission to read it once a year for myself thank you for sharing that that's such these are great resources and second last question I have is what does being first generation mean to you now i use the term first generation in a more metaphorical sense instead of literal so i define first generation as someone that has paved their own path and definition of success on their own terms no matter the hardships obstacles and negativity they had to endure they've overcome and pressed on the hardships And essentially, many individuals walk similar paths in our life. And again, this is very metaphorical, but no one walks the exact same path, right? So to me, that's how I define first generation. So if I was to ask you, what do you think it takes to be first generation? What do you think that would be for you?
1: Well, being a first First generation immigrant, I mean, that's what I mean, that's like the obvious surface uh, meaning right because i went to america when i was one with my immigrant family so we are actually first generation so uh being first generation you know has the tones of being an immigrant right mm-hmm. and uh with all that that comes with right the the hardship the coming out of comfort zone like and um overcoming my identity struggle I mean first being a first generation merely means to like, you know, be a pioneer of sorts or go where no man has gone before. Hundred percent. Go where no and for me, not just like being a Korean American, uh first generation immigrant, but also to like maybe see things and experience the world in a way that other people haven't before. I mean, being first generation, you can you can find so much meaning in that. Because look, for thousands of years, my ancestors, my family, they've all been in Korea, haven't they? They've been yeah. in Asia for but then Only in the past thirty years, or for the first time in my family's history, like my parents, my father's bloodline, my mother's bloodline, someone went to a a Western country to the other side of the planet. Like, when has that ever happened in the thousands and thousands of history of most Korean people and my my family? So we are privileged. I am super fucking privileged. To have been, even though it's hard and kids call me chink, go back to China, or whatever. Like, I'm super humbled and grateful to have grown up in America. And I needed to experience all those things so that I could be who I am today, standing in front of you with a bow tie, saying stupid inside jokes and whatever. And <laughs> and uh, so that I can, f- and, and to be first generation means to have, be the first generation to have the self-awareness and the initiative and the power mm-hmm. to contribute to the healing of the pain, to stopping the cycle of the pain, to have the time to be like, Oh, who am I? You know, what do I want to do with my life? Like, what's the me? or do I want to be an artist or do I want to be a pastor? Or what do I do? I'm I'm privileged because my parents and their parents, they didn't have the luxury to like find themselves and like date around and travel and expedition. Well, what do I want to do with my life here? Or maybe I wanna live in yeah you know, I'm privileged to be able to do that. We're privileged to even be able to talk and you know, video calls on different sides of planet right now. Oh, 100%. So that first generation, I think we have, I, I like to think that I don't want to impose duties or obligations on other people, but I like to think that I, and perhaps you, Aaron, like we have a bit of a, we have this privilege and we have this duty and the honor to spread a message of positivity, to uh, go to help other people go where no man or woman has gone before mm-hmm. to pioneer and yeah, define, define success in our own ways, whether that's monetarily and also in um you know in personal ways. So for me, I, I would say that my life, like coming to Korea past nine years, living the life that I do has been a resounding, astounding success. Yeah. And I wouldn't trade for everything. And it's okay if I'm like it, it's okay if I'm not like, you know, a millionaire yet. Like I'll get there and along the way, like I'm comfortable enough, I make enough money that like I'm comfortable doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And uh like I'm frugal enough, like I I believe in myself, I'm disciplined. You know, I'm not going to go to a casino and gamble everything away just yet. <laughs> yet, a key word, yet. <laughs> yeah, being first generation, it has so much of a beautiful meaning. It could be redemptive. Like maybe maybe your generation, maybe your ancestors are criminals or prostitutes. Mm-hmm. But I mean, isn't that what Australia is, for example, or like the Louisiana Purchase? I was just watching a video last night about how, um, you know, when the French had the Louisiana Purchase, like, like in the 1700s, right? They rounded up all the criminals and the prostitutes and handcuffed them to each other and uh did like a mass wedding in like the the city courtyard and then they sent them to the louisiana purchase to america so they could populate the land and make their country rich how fucked up is that it is so then it's just like oh if you hear (laughs) so if you hear like you know the last name of some american person who's like i don't know um uh delacroix or something like that is like the last name of a some person who lives in louisiana oh maybe their great great grandparent was like a a prostitute or 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 criminal or something or like the australians right but maybe you're the first generation who, like, you you don't do that. You don't identify with that. And you want to be a positive contributor to society. And uh, you don't judge your ancestors, but you just are grateful that you're alive because of them. And then you want to be um, a magnanimous, compassionate benefactor to humanity. Then that's oh, yeah. a beautiful thing. Then you justify, then you bring righteousness, and you redeem all your family's, like, sins or whatever you call you, all their darkness. Mm-hmm. And they would be proud of you and put their hands on you your shoulder like the blue ghosts.
0: I love that too. And last question I have for you is where can we find you on social media? Where can the listeners find more details about you and your work online?
1: Mimetime.com. My name is spelled M-A-I-M. M as in mime, A as in apple, I as in indigo, M as in mime. Awesome. So, yeah, mimetime.com. You can email me at... Mime at mimetime.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at mimetime. But, you know, I'm not too active on those. But if you want to reach out to me, I'll respond. I don't spend too much time on social media as I supposedly should, being an online podcast content creator, or whatever, because I just, I'm trying to just focus on the content of the podcast and just getting, making the best podcast I can. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, mimetime.com. Please subscribe or listen to a couple episodes. And if you like it, you know, reach out to me let me know what you think
0: and for our listeners i'll be posting all of mimes tags and links in the description episode description below so be sure to check those out and mom it was an honor to have you on to share your story and i had a great time talking with you man oh
1: it was an honor aaron and i really appreciate it because i actually think this is the first time i've been interviewed for someone else's podcast
0: oh well dude you're awesome at it man and i think for me like all my guests that come on, like I define them as first generation in their own different ways, right? And for you, I think that's specifically you and Kyle, Kyle Learn, which I've had, um, can't remember which episode he is Oh my guess. but like for you both, I really resonate with you both because there's a lot of similarities with, especially with the feelings, like the resentment, you know, even, even talk about the forgiveness, right? Like I definitely felt, definitely felt that, definitely went through it, especially as an Asian diaspora, right? So, I'm stoked about a recording today. And man, I'm just, I'm just so blessed to have you
1: on. I'm blessed. And dude, you you did it because the only reason I'm talking to you right now is because you did that episode with Kyle. I was just Googling up like Asian diaspora podcast or something on Google, I think. And I, like yours was one of the first results. And that oh, wow. interview with Kyle was great. It's like, oh, I got to have these guys on my podcast. So now you have me on your podcast. So like me talking to you right now is a manifestation of the time that you put in that interview you published. You took the time to edit and work on that and publish it for yeah. your podcast. And I ended up reaching out to him. And then finally you. So like this conversation is, you know, in big part thanks to you, brother. And I just want to say, yeah, forgiveness, guys. Forgiveness is... um is the best way. Forgiveness, you'll find peace with yourself, you'll love yourself more, like just for, forgive forgive your parents, forgive your societies, wherever you come from, just know that everyone on this planet in history is just struggling. And like, you know, we do all kinds of fucked up shit to each other and we're all fucked up parents to, you know, husband and wife, parents to kids, or whatever, but it's just, it's just better to forgive. If you can find that, if you can raise your consciousness and forgive yourself and forgive your family and forgive the society that you come from or that you're a part of now, then uh, it will, re- you will reap rich, beautiful rewards that uh, no one else in your family's history could comprehend if you're going to be the first generation to forgive. Yeah. If you're the first generation to forgive, then the possibilities are endless for you to live a rich, fulfilling life filled with love and beauty and opportunity for yourself, for your family, for your friends and your community and your your nations. So please, please, please forgive yourself and forgive your parents. Forgive your brothers and sisters or whatever. I know we're all in different situations and like everyone's, you know, you guys, whoever's listening might have gone through some really hard shit. But even if it's just for yourself, try to forgive. It'll take time. It's not something that happens just like that. But if you do it, you will not regret it. Believe in yourself.
0: Hope you enjoyed the show. You can follow us on Instagram and subscribe to us on YouTube at First Generations Podcast. For any questions, comments, and inquiries, please reach out to Aaron at FirstGenerationsPodcast.com. That is A-A-R-O-N at FirstGenerationsPodcast.com. Stay tuned for the next episode.